You don't have to worry about the music being good at this place, do you? We're so thankful, so thankful for our worship team today and every week. Well, I remember the first church I served. I was a, a bony 22-year-old associate pastor. Yeah, the church cooks for you, so you, you put on a few pounds through the years, you know. And one, uh, and this will surprise you, that first church I was serving as a, I guess my title was minister to university students, and we had a few people that complained about things. Have you ever heard anybody complaining about something at a church? I'm serious, I'm serious. And one of the things, one of the things that seemed to be the, the biggest point that I remember was that we did not communicate enough. It was a church about half this size, probably, maybe a little less than half, and we would, people would say, what is going on? We don't know what's going on. So it made an impression on, on my mind to make sure that we communicate, and when something is very significant, that sometimes we over-communicate. And I, I don't know how successful we've been at, at, at First Leesburg in communicating everything as well as we should, but it's certainly our aim. And so this morning, some of you might say, why are you taking so much time to talk about this venture is simply because uh, what we're doing in, in the months to come, I believe, is so significant that I really want everyone to be on the same page uh, prayerfully and in uh, oneness of, of heart and spirit. So I'm excited to share with you this morning about what the Lord's doing. I want, first of all, as we begin, I want to uh, start by looking at Romans chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, and this morning I'm going to be talking about impacting our world for Christ. How can we as individuals and we as a church family make a significant impact on our world? There are several things that need to be um, aligned for us to be effective in doing so. I'm going to first of all read verse 1 of this great letter from the Apostle Paul to the Roman Christians where he said, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. One of the things I appreciate about the way Paul writes and teaches and communicates, and especially at the very beginning of his letters, is that he communicates that, he, yes, he is called by God. Yes, he is an apostle, which means sent one. But one of the main designations that Paul has is that he is a servant of Christ. And so this morning, thinking through that particular word about servant, if we're going to impact our world for Christ, number one on your outline this morning is we must have the right heart. That servant's heart is something that Jesus himself emulated for us. In Mark chapter 10, verse 45, in that classic passage on servanthood, Jesus said that the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. As you look at just the attitude, the demeanor, the character of Jesus, it was all about giving. And that, that spirit that Paul has here says, you know what, I'm a slave. I, I'm one that has no rights. I don't pursue my own agenda. I'm living in the interest of my master, Jesus Christ. And there's such a pervasive selfishness in our world. And it's, just, it's common to the human nature, but even more common in our culture to look out for number one. But God's people are to be completely different. We're to have the right heart. It is a Christ-centered, other-centered, servant's heart. And if we're ever going to impact our world for Christ, we've got to have that same heart, a heart to serve. Now in verses 2 through 4, Paul describes a little bit about what he is teaching, what he is so excited about, what he's going to proclaim to the church at Rome about. 
And you, you could surmise those three verses with number two on your outline this morning about impacting our will for Christ. It involves that we have the right message. Number two is the right message. What is that message? It says in verse two, the gospel he promised beforehand through the prophets in the Holy Scriptures. That word gospel is a word that means good news. And Paul is saying that the good news has always been God's plan and it's revealed from the Genesis to the Revelation in the Holy Scriptures. You know, we have no other message to teach in this church and in God's church other than the one revealed in the Holy Scriptures. And this message is called the good news. Now, why is it such good news? Well, verse 3 and 4 reminds us, it says, regarding his son, who was to his human nature a descendant of David. So, Jesus Christ is referred to as the Son descended in, from human flesh from David. And it shows the great mystery of what we refer to as the incarnation of Jesus Christ being fully God and fully man. That word Son of God is used some 30 times in the gospel and it refers to Jesus Christ having the exact same essence as God the Father. So we believe that Jesus Christ, the most unique person that ever lived, the only one fully God, fully man, the only one qualified to redeem us, and the only one willing to demonstrate what that was all about. And verse 4 describes it. It's what we just sang uh, with Stephen just a moment ago, and it says this, and who through the spirit of holiness, a reference to the spirit of God, was declared with power to be the Son of God. In other words, he didn't just come and say, I am God, I am God, everyone should believe me based on the words of my mouth. No, he demonstrated in such a powerful way through what event? It says he was declared with power to be the Son of God by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the message we give people, that God has come to us in our fallen state, in our desperate need of God, the living God, the one true God, has revealed himself in the God-man Jesus Christ and we know that he's the God-man because he gave death the ultimate blow. He conquered sin, he conquered the grave, and he historically and actually, factually, he rose from the dead. We celebrate that on Easter, but we celebrate it every day because he proved his deity and his power over death and sin through the resurrection. That's the message we have to share. We don't have any cute additives to it. We don't try to make it more pleasant to our culture. We don't try to let it go down a little bit sweeter by taking away from it, by adding or subtracting. I remember when I was sharing my faith several years ago with a, a neighbor. Uh, he, he, he was a sort of a science a scientist-type thinking person. And he said, you know, that book that you teach is so old. And he was also into computers where they had updated manuals. And he said you know, y'all need to update your manual, so to speak. You need to update your teaching. We believe that there is no update needed to the gospel. It was once for all given, and it is the good news for all mankind for all time. What else is needed to help us impact our world for Christ? In verse 5, we see this powerful verse, and it says this, through him and for his name's sake. Matter of fact, would you mind repeating just that phrase after me? Ready? through him and for his namesake. And then he goes on to say that we receive grace and apostleship to call people from all nations, 
among all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith. Paul's message is saying, you know what, we've received God's grace, we've received that apostleship, which means we're sent ones to go into all the Gentiles, to go to all the nations and call them to faith and obedience and living out the gospel. But before he, he gives that mission, he gives a, a powerful statement at the very beginning of verse 5. He says, first of all, through him. And if we're going to impact our world for Christ, number three on our outline this morning, we have to have the right reliance. What are we depending on as we seek to impact our world for Christ? You know, I think a lot about my sister and brother-in-law, and they've uh, been serving for over 20 years in one of the hardest to reach places in East Africa and for years had no one come to know Christ and they're experiencing for them among the Somali people somewhat of a bit of a spiritual awakening and revival in the horn in the northeast part of Africa and, and during those early years where they were in, in some times in danger but in many times having no fruit you know how a missionary comes back and they tell all the great stories of what happened the last four years they came back and they had no great stories to tell only stories of sowing seeds and being re refused. But now it, it was that they, if, they had ha if they relied on their own ingenuity, on their own selves, on their own ideas, on their own perseverance, they'd have been completely wiped out. But in order to impact our world for Christ, we've got to live through him. That's what Paul communicated in so many places. One of the most famous, likely in Galatians 2.20, where he said, I'm crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And if we're going to impact the world for Christ, we've got to trust Christ to live his life through us. So we have to have the right reliance, depending on the right one, and that is Christ himself. We also have to have the right motive. Ever catch yourself doing a good thing with a wrong motive? at least a partially wrong motive? Maybe the, the overarching heart that you had in doing something was good, but then all of a sudden you see a sneaky little ambition that comes within you that's uh, self-centered. And churches can have the same motivation if we're not careful. I remember uh, being in a staff meeting when I was uh, early in ministry too, and my, the senior pastor that we had talked about how uh, we were second or third in the association in baptisms. I was like, okay, that's great. And he, and he mentioned, you know, last year we beat this church, and we beat that church, and we beat that church. And I said, wow, I didn't know this was a game. <laughs> I didn't know we were so great at beating our opponents, you know. And, and sometimes our motivation can be to get more attention from other believers and to sound or look or to be impressive that's about as far from a biblical motivation as we could think of or dream of and paul had it right when he said at the beginning of verse five he said through him and for his namesake we've got to have the right motive and that motive must be god honoring you know christ prayed this beautiful four-word prayer no it, it was longer than that but four words that i love to quote to myself is john chapter 12 28 he was thinking about the last week of his life as he was journeying toward the cross and he simply said these words father glorify your name maybe you're in the midst of difficulty and that's a great prayer to pray father glorify your name maybe you still have fear knocking on your door 
and you must say, Father, glorify your name. Maybe you're challenged to share your faith with a neighbor or bring up Christ in a conversation. We need to say, Father, glorify your name. You know, I love what David said in Psalm 115, verse 1, where he said, Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory because of your love and faithfulness. And it's so easy for us to the reason David expresses that way because he knew what it was like as the king for the attention to be on him. And in our church, we, though there might be subtle temptation in our hearts to do the latter, we want to have the right scriptural motive in all that we do, and that is not to us, O oh Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory. We want people to drive by our church and see that sign and not think to themselves, what a neat church. They're doing so much for the Lord. We want them to drive by and say, you know what? The God that they worship at that church is awesome. We want for people to leave this service and not say, that worship pastor is awesome. What a great, friendly fellowship we have. We want them to leave this church and say, the living God that they celebrate in there is stunning. We want for God to be the conscious, not the accidental or subtle, but the conscious, focused center of attention that i believe is some of the ways that can help us impact our world for christ a question this morning i want to raise is this on your outline and that's this how can first baptist leesburg impact our world for christ i want to offer three brief ways and then one extended way to talk about this morning the first one is a and that's by sharing our faith as god opens the door you know, oftentimes there's a nervousness in us when we realize, you know what, I might should, I know I'm a Christian and I should probably talk to my family member or my neighbor or my coworker about this. What do I say? What do I do? Maybe you've been to witnessing classes or read books before on how to share your faith, but those butterflies are still there. And sometimes the, the, the opportunity is obvious. It is from God. And it would be much easier if you could call a preacher in or call in somebody that you know knows how to do it better. But God often places you in the place where no one could have a better impact than you. And Paul wrote to Philemon and said, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. We're not to let fear win the day when it comes to sharing our faith. We're to pray for that boldness that Paul prayed or Peter prayed in Acts chapter 4, verse 29, where he says, enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. None of us have that natural inner vigor when it comes to spiritual things. We need for Christ to give us his boldness and compassion and courage. Matter of fact, you'll see in your bulletin and a little blurb reminding you that in a couple of weeks on October 12th that we're having a special one day sharing your faith course, sort of a refresher course. Maybe you've shared your faith in the past, but it's been a while, and there's a, a great new method. Now, not a new message, same message, but a new method that Pastor Jay wants to share with you. It'd be something that you could sort of take a one week off from your normal uh, class, or if you don't go to a class, it would be a, a great time for you to go and just have a refresher course and sharing your faith through conversation. B, another way that our church can impact our world for Christ is by ministering to the needy in our community. That's one of the most exciting things that God has going on on this church campus is there's a, a real commitment to minister to the needy. I love being at a place when, when I bump into someone that says, hey, uh, is there any way you can help me with this? 
it, I, I don't have to send them way across town. There is a 50-yard dash to say, absolutely, you came to the right place. We love helping people with these needs. Come with me, and I'll make sure you get some help. And that, that's the way that our church became some 35, 40 years ago when Pastor Charles introduced a ministry evangelism to our church, and uh, that is always going to be a part of our DNA. The very fiber of what we do on this campus involves ministering to the needy and giving them the gospel uh, in the process. And matter of fact, you'll see another blurb likely or a handout in your bulletin that talks about a tour of the ministry care of the Christian Care Center and the Genesis Center that will happen next Sunday. You can read about it in there and ask me or our office this week if you have any questions. But we want more and more people to be involved and praying for and committed to and giving to our Christian Care Center because there's so many needs we get to minister in the name of Christ and our church will always be committed to that. See, another way that our church can impact our world for Christ is by praying, giving, and going to the nations. You know, the scripture tells us that uh, when Christ gave the admonition to the disciples, he said that you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, that simultaneously they were to reach their community and then reach the outer regions and then reach the places where his name had never, ever been. It's, it's amazing to think about in a world that we live in with such modern communication that there's still over one billion people that don't have access to the gospel. Many places where TV and radio and internet are monitored or banned, there just is not that crop of believers to do what, what I'm encouraging us to do, and that's to share our faith with our neighbor. We can take care of Lake County, but there aren't believers in many parts of North Africa and Middle East and Asia to take the gospel to their neighbors because there's not churches there, there's not believers there, and so we also impact our world for Christ by going to the nations and by praying and giving and going, and we're about to enter into a season in just a, a month and a half or so where we do our annual focus on world missions and our Lottie Moon Christmas offering where we ramp up our praying, we ramp up our emphasis in giving. We'll also have more mission trips available for you to go to in 2015. We want our church to be a light to our community, but also a launching pad to the nations. And there's one other way this morning I want to go into some detail about uh, that our church can impact our world for Christ about, and that's by D on your outline, and that's by this, by praying for and supporting Village Park Campus of First Baptist Leesburg. Some of you are going, what is that? Well, you haven't heard about it because this is the first reveal. It doesn't exist yet, but we are launching it soon as a church, and I'm going to go into some slides on the screen in a moment that you don't have outlines for. I know it's weird to see something on the screen that you don't have a fill-in-the-blank for, but see if you can handle it just this day. Uh, but before doing that, I want to show you a brief video a little, that gives you a little more information about our second campus. Okay, now let's let give you some specific information there. By the way, on one of those uh, scenes, Stephen, I think, was sitting in a ditch. You looked about two foot three compared to us. He's not that short, so just, just wanted to clarify that. All right, now I want to ask a few questions about the Village Park campus. By the way, you did get the reference between the two cities, the Villages and Fruitland Park, Village Park. We thought about calling it Fruitland Village or Fruity Village, but it just didn't, didn't sound right. So Village Park brings those two cities together. The first question I want to ask about it today is what? What is this? What is going on? First of all, 
in essence, we're becoming a multi-site church. Uh, multi-site church, as you can see on the screen, is one church meeting in different locations, usually in the same region, that maintains a common vision, budget, and leadership. When, you have, when you're given land or when you have this kind of vision, there's a couple of ways to do it. Uh, the, the way that's been traditionally done in the past is you get a, a land, you launch a group, and then you become independent. You let them go, and that's a church plant and church start. We still believe in that. That's still done. I think it's a great way to do it. But in the last 20 years, there have been uh, many churches that have decided to become multi-site, and we'll explain why we're doing that in a moment. But when I say multi-site, I don't mean that we're going to have five, six, seven, eight different locations. At this point, our only um, idea is to have a second location. If God were to change that, that would be up to Him. But that's, I'm letting you know, that's certainly not on our radar in the works. This one just sort of fell into our lap. But when a church is multi-site, they have a common vision, budget, and leadership. If you were to say, hey, what's the vision of Fruit of the uh, Village Park campus of First Leesburg, you'd say worship, connect, and engage, which is the vision at our church on the, on the, of the Mother Campus. Well, what's the budget going to be like there? If you give offering at the Village Park campus, where does it go to? Well, it goes to First Baptist Church Leesburg because they are the exact same thing. Now, I would say that a, a special, sometimes special offerings at the new campus would remain for, for use out there only. For like a, a building fund, it will be in a, an account r reserved for that. But offerings on both campuses will go to the, to the same end they're always used for. And our church budget, of course, is available to all our church members. We vote on it annually. But it, it's the exact same. It'd be like saying, what happens to your arm or your leg when you walk in this building? Well, it comes with you because it's part of you. And that church is one in vision and one in budget. Leadership. Who is the pastor of the Village Park campus of the First Baptist Leesburg? Who is the worship pastor out there? Well, it's the same person as is the pastor here because we are one in the same. Uh, who are going to be the deacons at Village Park Baptist Church? Who will be the committees? It's the same deacons and uh, leadership structure here because it is the same thing. Ultimately, we'll have representatives from that campus that will be part of our deacon council and part of our different committees in time because we want there to be uh, input from all but I, I would have this one exception on staff members many churches who have larger multi-site venues have different staff members that are called and hired for for m mainly that campus and the most common staff position in a multi-site uh, facility is called a campus pastor certain campus pastors have different functions some of them preach regularly uh, most of them though are in charge of operations they're organizing uh, discipleship groups and Sunday school groups or in our case at least it will be home Bible studies and home groups and uh, they organize pastoral care and they mobilize volunteers and that kind of thing and so we're going to have a campus pastor at the Village Park campus who will be the on-grounds operation person at this point we're going to have an interim campus pastor and it's our very own executive pastor here Art Eris who lives in that area, has a real burden and passion for this campus to get it going well. And as the church grows, we'll hire a full-time campus pastor to be the operations man. It'll sort of depend on how fast the place grows. So it could be as early as this summer or as late as we don't know when. But Art has, has really asked if he could take that on in just an interim and temporary basis while he continues his duties here. And if you know Art, you don't wonder if he can do it because he eats uh, stress for breakfast. So... 
Now, why are we doing this? Uh, there are five reasons I want to share with you. The first one is that God gave us land. We weren't looking for land. We weren't praying, hey, we want more stuff to do. But God supernaturally granted us over you know, 220 acres of land out there. Art shared a little bit about it. It was through an estate of a former, uh, a late church member that gave us land. It was, for, it was in uh, process with different uh, law, uh, lawsuits and uh, legal processes for years. And finally, last year, it, it was released to us. And the Lord just gave us some beautiful land. We have 100 acres that is usable. We have about 75 acres of that, 100 acres that is for sale and 25 or so that we're reserving in a prime piece of property toward the rear of the location. And we do have, um, we're maintaining uh, golf cart access back there, and we're having a sign at the very front pointing people to the Village Park campus that will be there ultimately. And we also have about 120 acres that is re referred to as wetlands that's not usable, that's not sellable, but we can probably still do some recreational things in that property. So God gave us land. Uh, secondly, is that God gave us vision. When God gave us land, we begin asking, what should we do with it? You know, should, it's, it's not just there with a the big dollar sign on saying, we want to get money. What does a church need to do with more money unless they're going to use it to minister and serve others? So we're not trying to stockpile dough. We're trying to use God's resources to minister the gospel and let people more, more and more people know about him. So God began birthing in us a vision to do this. And when we thought about maybe doing a church plant, that interested us. But at the same time, we're landlocked on this facility. We also know that sometimes when you get a church plant in a few years, they're not teaching the message in accordance with the scripture. And so we wanted to sort of preserve that message and then uh, allow us to reach more people in an area where we have 19 of the most used acres in the United States is what you're on right now. And we have no place to go uh, for virtually anything else on this campus, so we're thrilled to have another place that God gave us. Also, the third thing under why is that God gave us free temporary space. Now, if you live in the villages, you know how unusual temporary facilities for religious institutions are, especially one that has the word free in it. Uh, we have been given, and I'll tell you more, you saw the, at the end of our little video where it is, but God, uh, that basically when our estate sold uh, many acres of land to the villages for them to, where they're already been constructing about 2,400 homes in a, a new division called the Villages of Fruitland Park. We basically, in our contract negotiations with them, they wanted golf cart access into our 100 acres, and we allowed that because we wanted that as well. Golf cart access is really big for mobility in the villages, and so in, in doing so, we also negotiated use of a recreational facility for a church plant, which is what God's given to us. Also, uh, why? Because God gave us the gospel, and then the fifth one is people need to hear. There are just thousands upon thousands of new people moving into this region, and though there are churches, there's not enough churches space-wise to uh, reach all the new move-ins that we're having there. Well, the third question to ask is how. In other words, how is this going to be done? How are you pulling this off? One of the things I want to calm everybody with is that um, in essence, we will keep the same schedule at the main campus. There, uh, there will be an exception in, in terms of the teaching that I'll tell you about in a moment, but at this service, which starts at 8.15, if you've been here a while, you know it used to start at 8. We may, in January, move it back to just 8 o'clock to be in conjunction with the uh, service times at the Village Park campus, so 
uh, we'll have five services, two up there and three here, and the first two will start at the same time. But what will happen at the 8 o'clock service is uh, the second thing under there, under how, is that different staff members will preach at our regular 8 a.m. service. For now, uh, that's what will happen is that um, we'll have a rotating team of staff members at this very great and important service, and many of you have enjoyed hearing our different pastors on staff that preach here. Uh, Pastor Jay and Scrubs and others will be you know, teaching the same series or whatever is going on with us, and I will have the privilege of, of, of every few months coming back, likely, and, and preaching at the 8 o'clock service. But what we're thinking is, uh, what we're het- planning to do at this point is the third thing under how, and that's this, to start two services at the Colony College Recreational Center in the Villages. The first one at 8 a.m., Pastor Cliff and Stephen likely will be live preaching and leading worship. Now, we are one of the, since we're having five services, one of the things we're having to do is we're having to hire an associate pastor of worship that will either work part-time or full-time, helping us with Stephen can only do so many services because they're at the same time. And so there, are, there will be two services that the, the associate pastor will likely be leading. It'll be the 8 o'clock here and the 9.30 there. There could be some switching with this as the, as everything, uh, as the dust settles, so to speak. But we're talking with someone currently and praying about that important position, an associate uh, pastor for worship. Um, but what will happen in the villages is that 8 o'clock will be live, and 9.30 will be video venue. It'll be a video, it'll be a, uh, basically, I'm amazed at how many thousands of people around our country, they go to church, and they watch a pastor on a screen. That's very untraditional, but in the last 10 or 15 years, there's been a boom of that happening, largely because of this multi-site emphasis, and some of them get so used to it. Uh, I've heard people go to Andy Stanley's church in Atlanta and said that they didn't realize that Andy Stanley wasn't actually there because the, uh, the screen was so clear. We're looking at getting some great technology to help this video venue be successful. The greeting will be live. There'll be a pastor on duty there at all times, and there will be a live worship leader. But Stephen will come back likely after the 8 o'clock service, come this way, and I will come back after the 8 o'clock service and at 9.30 and at 10.45, just like always, we will be live uh, leading here like we have uh, for the last seven years. So that is our method right now of how it's going to happen. Who? Who is going to be a part of this? Who will join us at the Village Park campus? Well, first of all, from our church, it's whoever senses God's leading to go. Some have wondered, since we're having a villages church, does that mean you're asking or some even thought that we were kicking out villagers at this campus? I might have been born at night, but not last night, you know? The, the thing is, we have about 300 people from the villages that attend our church and they're involved in our Sunday school and love it here. And uh, when anyone loves it here, you want for them to continue here because many of them are very actively and joyfully serving here. And so if you are in the villages, we're only asking you to do this if you sense God's leading to go. We've been having on Wednesday nights We've been meeting over in the CCC administrative building, a group of 20 or 30 of people that are either just started coming here or have been coming here that are helping us be sort of a core group. And if you'd like to be a part of that, we'd love for you to come at 6 o'clock on Wednesdays. But if, if someone senses God's leading to go, well, we feel like who will mostly come are new people, are new move-ins in the villages or people that just haven't found a church family. Now, and look at this next thing under who. Initially, due to facility constraints, 
we will have to wait to have a young family ministry until the Lord provides a building. In other words, at the Colony Cottage place where we're going, there will be no nursery, there will be no children's ministry, and there will be no youth ministry at this point. So it's not the ideal destination for younger families. Now, when the Lord gives us a building uh, in his timing at the new facility, we do want it to be multi-generational. We want there to be nursery and children's ministry and youth ministry and a, uh, the generations coming together. We're not, we, we believe this will likely, for, the, for the, in a long time, be the main campus where young families will want to go, but we, that will be our aim for it to be multi-generational in time. When? When is all this going to happen? Well, our launch date for the second campus in Colony Cottage is January 11th, 2015, so about four months away, which is uh, strange to think about it being that close. But January 11th, 2015, when those five services I mentioned will begin. How long will we be at the Colony Cottage Recreational Center? It's, uh, we have a 15-month agreement, and we realize that it's not likely that we'll have a new building up in 15 months. We'll begin building as soon as, uh, uh, we're, in some ways, we're waiting on the property, that 75 acres or so, to sell so we can have some seed money to begin building property, and then we'll raise funds from the uh, Village Park campus uh, members who, who go there. But, so we're not sure when the Lord will provide the building. At the end of 15 months, we'll either renegotiate or look for a temporary facility to keep that going until the new campus and building are built. When do we start building? Well, according to James 4, 13 through 15, when we ask as believers anything like that, we have to say, when God wills. We don't get to detail and map out and say, we're going to do this then and this then and this then. Uh, that sort of ends up to spiritual lying. Uh, the Lord says that, you know, if God wills, we will live and do this and that. Now, we are, it's not an excuse to be inactive. We're going to be very active in our pursuit of such, but uh, we are waiting on God's timing to do that. Well, this is quite a venture, some of you might say, and I realize that with this service, some of you who realize this might be changing, some of you are thinking already in your mind, well, what am I going to do? Am I going to go to the 930? I live up there. Am I going to go there? We'll just pray that God would give you wisdom because we certainly want to keep all of the family together. I really feel that the service that will continue here is going to be uh, one that will really inspire you and help you in your spiritual life. And I'm excited about the, the difference uh, that God is going to, to bring here. But how can we accomplish that? All four of those things, sharing our faith and re reaching the needy and reaching the nations and starting this new campus, how do we pull it off? Well, it really goes back to what we talked about a moment ago at the beginning of verse 5 in Romans chapter 1. How do we accomplish this? It's simply this, through him and for his namesake. Right back on your outline, through him and for his namesake. Matter of fact, would you say that phrase with me again, ready? Through him and for his namesake. We can't pull this off in our own ingenuity. The Bible says, cursed is the one who depends on his own flesh for strength. Jeremiah 17, 5. But, and we don't dare do this to promote our own name, but for the glory of God. It's our great hope and our great sense that the Lord is going to increase the, the borders of this church and going to provide a greater launching pad to reach more and more people with the gospel and ultimately more and more people to the nations with what he's going to engineer. This morning, I, I want us to, as we have our time of invitation like we normally have, I'd like us to also pray for this new venture outreach, that God would just do a mighty work. Maybe you're here today, though, and you've heard a message that in some ways was a little bit not what you were looking for today. But in other ways, maybe you were here, and when I explained once again what the gospel message really is, 
Maybe there was a tug on your heart that, you know what? I don't know that I've ever personally embraced. I realize that Christ died on the cross for my sins, but I'm not sure that I have personally come to know him. I'd like us to bow together, and as we're bowed before him, what will be your response this morning to the living Lord? Heavenly Father, we do pray that you'd be glorified at the Village Park campus of our church, and that your name would be lifted high. We also pray that right now, if you're speaking to someone's heart about coming into a relationship with you, Lord, that you would draw them to your truth this day. In Christ's awesome and only name we pray. Amen. You know, just